open your Bibles. Let's start here first. I want to I give you a couple of thoughts, and then we're going to come back to what I was just saying. In uh, Luke 2, starting with verse 22, I'm still tracking through this whole uh, uh, opening scriptures in Luke with the birth of Christ, and, and um, just kind of we're at the next spot from where we were the last time I spoke. And this is an interesting place because it says, And when time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, I'm in verse 22. Uh, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, the, for according to the law of Moses, the time of purification is 40 days. For a male child, it's 80 days for a female. But you can't bring the child up, either male or female, on the last day of that period. So it's the 41st day when they're coming to present him in Jerusalem. It would be the 81st day for a girl. So 40 days has passed since where we left off with Angels singing and shepherds and all that. So, um, so verse 24, And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle dove or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consecration of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of uh, Phanuel and of the tribe of Asher, and she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. So this is 40 days have passed. that Jesus was born. We had all the, the initial angels singing, as I said. And then 40 days passes before they can bring him to the temple in Jerusalem for the, the rites of purification. And I thought about that. I'm like, wow, 40 days. So... What, what happened with this young family in those 40 days? What, you know, what, what happened? Well, one, we know they had to go back home. They were only in Bethlehem to be numbered in the census. 
So they had gone back home. How many days that took, I don't know. Uh, but they had traveled back. Now they're traveling to Jerusalem for the, for the time of purification. But I, my thoughts were, again, it's like here's this young mother, father, and infant. And, you know, we're, we're watching the little ones around here this morning and, and the littler little ones that are just arriving. And, you know, and you're thinking, I was thinking at least, that for Mary, for Joseph, what, what was their conversations like? Well, what was it like in their home? Because you have this, this initial burst of anointing, of power, of declaration, of angels, of you know, this huge visitation. And you're a part of that, and actually you're the center of that, and now you go home. And what do you do? I, the, the conversation must have been um, a conversation that was up and down about things. One minute full of excitement and another moment full of what in the world? What have we got ourselves into? Yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, well, the angels were singing the other day. It'd be nice if an angel was singing right now. It'd be nice if there would be a visitation right now. Now, Scripture doesn't say that there was any. It doesn't say that there wasn't any. But in the narrative that we're given, there isn't any. And so what, what was it like for them to be at that place? And to, the wonderment, the, the prophecies that have been spoken, the, the waiting for things to unfold, the, the words that, are, that have been spoken about what is yet to come. And so then they, it's, it's the time to go and for purification. So up to the... Up to the temple, they go for that. So they're walking in as just two average parents with a new infant, and they're coming in to do what every other parent does, whether it be been a boy or a girl, I'm coming in for the rite of purification. So they just walked into the temple as just a couple with a baby. And if you didn't know them, you wouldn't know that they were anything beyond that. I know in some pictures they all had like this aura that went around their head with light beams shooting out in all directions and kind of this heavenly host glow about them. I, I kind of don't think that's what they look like. I kind of think they looked about like we all look here. And so they come walking into the temple and there's this guy, Simeon. Now, he's been waiting Something had been dropped in his heart at some point, and he's been waiting because he had this promise from God, you won't die till you see the Christ. And so he's gone to the temple over and over. His practice was to go. His practice was to stay in a place of expectation because he never knew when the promise was going to be fulfilled, but he did know that the promise was going to be fulfilled. How long does that take? What do I do in the, in the meantime? So he's in the temple, and here they come, Mary, Joseph, Jesus. They come walking in the temple. And it says that in verse 27 that he came in the spirit into the temple. Now, I think most of us in this room know what it's like to be in the spirit, 
to wake up or you know, walk into a day, whatever we're doing, and all of a sudden there's that quickening in our heart. There's something that rises up inside of us that, that sets this moment apart. There's something about anticipation that starts to rise up. This is it. Something's going to happen. You know, even this morning has been said by many. It's like, there's something that's going to happen. I don't know when. I don't know what. I don't know how. All I know is something inside of me is pregnant with anticipation for something that's about to happen. And so Simeon gets up that day in the spirit and he goes to the temple. Going to the temple, he's been doing that. He does that on a regular basis. But this day, he's in the spirit when he goes to the temple. Like John on the island of Patmos. He was in the spirit in the, on the Lord's day. There's something different about being in the spirit when we're doing something and just doing something. We all do both. But there's those moments where there's some kind of supernatural quickening in us and we're in the spirit. And when we're in the spirit, something is different about what we talk, how we walk, what, we, what we're doing. And he, so in the spirit, he comes in the temple as Mary and Joseph and Jesus are coming. Well, you know, they, I'm sure they had all that arranged at the ticket counter that they were 41, 42, and 43 and Simeon was 44. So when they came in, we got our tickets and we're close. No. This, these, were, these were just two different groups who now had a, had a meeting, had an intersection in the spirit. And when we have intersections in the spirit with other people, things happen. Things get deposited. Things get received. Things get released. People get healed. There's a whole myriad of things that happen when we're in the spirit and we have an intersection which looks like chance, except in the kingdom it isn't chance. We don't live by chance. We live by our steps being ordered by the Lord. Their steps were ordered by the Lord so that they would come together and meet. And as soon as Simeon saw this baby, which again, I don't think Jesus had this golden circle around his head with light beams shooting out all over the place. I think he just looked like a baby being carried by his mom. But Simeon, being in the spirit, saw something that he had not seen before in any of his other trips to the temple. And he just goes up. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't ask. Oh, he's so cute. Can I hold him? Can I? It just says he goes up and he just takes him out of Mary's arms. So Oh, well, this is interesting. You know, we're just trying to get the baby dedicated here, trying to get the, you know, keep the law of Moses. And now this guy who's a stranger, we don't know, has just taken our kid. So when he took him up in his arms, he says he blessed God and said, the Lord, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. So he then begins in the spirit holding this baby. He now begins to declare over the child, but also over himself. This is what God has promised me. This is the promise of God. This is, this is what has been burning inside of me for who knows how long with this place of anticipation. And what I did know is that I'm not going to die till I see the Christ. And for him, for Simeon, now it was this place of, Lord, your promise is fulfilled, and I can now go in peace. 
This is what I've been waiting for. This is what I've been longing for. All the, all the times I've been in synagogue, all the times I've heard the scriptures, all the times we've offered our prayers, all the times we've lamented about our, our lot in life as Jews and what it means to be a Jew and to be in all the things that surround us and all that, I am now holding the Christ. And I can now go in peace. Because I am, so I am beholding the deliverer. So the, the, his declaration wasn't just that, well, I can die in peace. His full declaration is, this is the Christ. And if it is the Christ, it means the fullness and the fulfillment of all that God is going to do and has promised to do and will do. And right now, I'm standing here in the temple holding the Christ in my arms. For my eyes have seen your salvation, and you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. That in itself is, is a, an amazing statement and a powerful statement that what Simeon is saying, he isn't holding everything just in the context of Israel but he actually is holding everything in the context of God's plan for the world, all peoples, all people. Somehow, this invasion of the Christ is going to rearrange the Gentile world. And it's still rearranging the Gentile world. We are still coming in contact in face-to-face -face with the living Christ. And he's still changing. I got to a text message, or uh, not text, a um, WhatsApp message this morning from Haiti, from the church where we sent the money and they're building the church. Really looking great. They're, I got some uh, fresh pictures. But the thing that thrilled me wasn't that they're building the building, which that, that's really cool that they are, but the, there's a new person that's writing to me now. It's a new associate pastor in the church who is dealing with the youth, and he was saying that Daily, they're out in the streets in Bene uh, sharing the gospel with the youth of the town and that kids are getting saved, teenagers are getting saved. There's something stirring and they're, they're just thrilled with what's happening. People are still beholding the Christ. And when we do, we're changed. We're eternally changed. And he goes on, this verse 34, um, he's, Simeon again says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So, he, as I said, he doesn't hold this just to himself. Now that I've seen this, good. Good for me. I get to go. I can go to heaven. No problem. He doesn't even hold it to Israel. This is just for us. This is for, you know, the Christ has come. Messiah has come. It's for the Jew. No, no, no. It's for the whole world. This is about to un, un, uh, unhinge the world as we know it. And as I said, it's still unhinging the world. 
you know, I, I sometimes am, I'm amused when I hear people, um, you know, go on about the, you know, this is the end of the church, this is the end of Christianity, you know, it's washed up, it's old-fashioned, it's this, it's that, we're, we're you know, all the, all the labels they, they attach to the church. But they just seem to always miss one point. The church, the body of Christ, has been on the earth for over 2,000 years. And she continues to grow, and she continues to mature, and she continues to invade into societies that seem to that say it can't be there, they don't want it there. No matter what the opposition is to the body of Christ, the body of Christ is moving across the globe right now. And it always has. This isn't a new phenomenon. This is just the body of Christ doing what Christ said it's going to do until his glory fills the whole earth. And every knee bows and every tongue confesses. Not by whips and boots on the neck, but because the love of God has invaded their heart. And we actually see, and we sang about it today, we actually see Jesus is good. And my heart responds to that. Other hearts respond to it. We're all, all of us here that are believers have had that moment when our heart went from only seeing darkness to beholding a light. And the light is still exposing the darkness and still conforming us to the image of Christ. So no sooner do they kind of get, do Mary and Joseph kind of get through this first thing with Simeon, than Anna shows up. They're probably at this point going, this is probably the most wild, the wildest day at Temple we've ever had. I mean, there's just there's people here all over the place saying stuff. So and and um, Anna, she's 84. She's been coming to the Temple. Her husband died just seven years after they were married, and the rest of the time she's been in the Temple, praying, fasting, giving her heart to that, and um, and again she sees what's coming. And she begins to give thanks to God, began to, to declare that this waiting for the redemption that she's been waiting for, it's now here. And so what, I guess where I want to, what I want us to see in this, I guess, is that we're, we're at a place where the, um, we're introduced to two people that have both been waiting a long time for something to come to pass and have maintained whatever it was they were doing, whether in temple or back and forth to temple, whatever it was, but they had maintained an anticipation that, it, that at some point this is going to happen. And they waited. You know, and like for Anna, to, you know, here she is 84 years old, and she's carried this promise and anticipation all those years, always being in the temple. And so for us... The, the, when we look at the providence of God, the providence, as we've, we've looked at before, providence is that place of divine favor that's put out in front of me with my anticipated encounter at the right moment. So providence isn't something locked away in the closet that I have to go dig out. Providence is God's plan in front of me that starts to unfold even when I don't even know what's unfolding. 
And um, kind of from as a way of testimony, and this just this actually just happened. Um, or I guess me seeing it just happened yesterday. Um, as some of you know, you know the last month or so, Michael's been living with us, um, and he's a great kid, and he's Angel's son, and we there was plans that um, I had put in place primarily in anticipation of I can get you in this trailer, you know now you and your son will have a home, you know when you're able I'll sign I'll sign the the trailer over to you and. You know, so I had the, I had it lined up. This, you know, I'm going to move you from being homeless into into living somewhere that you don't have to worry about get, being kicked out of. To ultimately, I sign the title over to you, and now you have, for the first time in your life, you actually own something. So, that was Robert's plan. I think it was actually a good plan. I don't think God was opposed to it. Um, but. That was my plan nonetheless, and that plan didn't work out. There was a lot of things that happened, and, and it, it didn't work out. And um, so now I have a mobile home that I'm trying to get rid of, and it's costing me money, and I would not like not to have it cost me money, and so I'm trying to get rid of this mobile home. And you know, so now Robert is working on new plans. Um, and uh, so along the way, um, I, I think I have somebody that's going to probably, well, I have two different people for the mobile home. One, there's somebody looking at it that's going to take it to actually um, do some fixing up on it and use it. And the other one is I just turn it back over to the park and say, here's the title to the trailer. I no longer want it. You can have it. And they, they'll remove it and put a new trailer in, and then the lot rent will go up. And you know it, it it it'll be a good deal for them, which I don't care. I just don't want to own a trailer. That's that's my that's my number one priority. So so I'm working through all this stuff of like, you know, money you're paying out, money you're paying out. I got this comes up and got this and this and this, and none of which I was anticipating. And so yesterday, in a conversation with the people that are looking at taking the trailer. Um, we were talking through this scenario, and and it um, it dawned on me, like you know, it just it dawned on me, or I was in the spirit. Might have been that too, or a little bit of both. Sometimes things dawn on you because you're in the spirit. Um, so anyway, I'm standing there having this discussion, and then I. I thinking about God's providence, and I was, I was talking about that, and, and as clear as anything, I began to see, okay, well, this is what really has been unfolding over this last month. Um, and I guess I was focused on just the natural things that need to happen, step one, step two, so I'm, I've got all that lined up and trying to keep, you know, keep it moving. When the Lord had a whole different plan, um, because what I thought the plan was, was to get permanent housing for a mom and a son. And then as we began to realize the actual environment that was going on, I began to see that God's plan was not to provide housing 
for a mother and a son. But God's plan was to liberate the son. And all this that's been bugging me and aggravating me and all this was God going, no, there's somebody that's really precious and I'm about to liberate them. And I'm going to change their life right now. But it couldn't happen if you didn't try your plan. Because actually your plan was part of the plan, just not the plan you thought you were planning. (laughs) (laughs) But he, he needed to get me to yes. And the way to get me to yes was letting me think my plan was the plan. And he, I, I know he's just looking at me the whole time going, he means well, and he's so darn cute, but he doesn't have a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Only get to get to this place where what seemed like everything falling apart wasn't everything falling apart. It was actually freedom actually coming into a life that wasn't free before. And, I, you know, so... I found myself, in the, and even with these verses, how we, we plan, we wait, we, we anticipate, but when the plan actually comes together, very rarely does it look like what we planned, unless you guys are a lot more spiritual than me. I'm going to say my plans, I, they just, it just didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And then, you know, then the, the question that was asked, or what the person said yesterday, and this was like the clincher for me, they said, yeah, because this young man is the pearl of great price. Oh, yeah. I went, dang, yes, he is. <laughs> and I'll sell anything to get the pearl. And I also know that my heavenly father in his providence I haven't lost anything. Yes, I spent money, but I didn't lose anything. I just had the privilege of being in his plan. And he's going, so, Robert, where did the ching come from anyway? Yeah, I think you're the provider, right? Yeah. So if it's my ching, why are you worried about how I'm spending it? I'm like, well, because it's going through my checkbook. (laughs) If you want want to know the truth about it, that's because you and I, your economy somehow doesn't work quite like mine. But what I, and and really for me, uh, the, the richness of this testimony is probably, I'll just say four years ago, I couldn't have spent this money because I didn't have this money. And now where we are now with what God has been doing, I could spend it, and it wasn't even coming out of our daily needs. It was just part of the seed that he has given us for sowing. And I say, God, you're amazing. You're amazing. Because all of us go through the lean times. All of us go through those places, or almost all of us. I know some don't, but almost all of us. You go through those places where the economy doesn't make sense. The checkbook doesn't make sense. 
for crying out loud, I had to pay $5.29 for a dozen eggs yesterday. $5.29. Next time I'm just going to eat the chicken. <laughs> you know, it's like God in his providence, he, he is faithful. And that's what, when I look at Simeon, when I look at Anna, what I see is two people, that, that's their declaration. What God put in their heart, he ultimately fulfilled, not when they thought it was going to happen, probably not the way they thought it would look, not on the day they thought it would happen, but he was faithful and he fulfilled his promises. Because we do live in the promises of God, and God's promises are yes and amen, even if I wait my whole life anticipating something, God isn't slow. He isn't slow. He brings the provision when it needs to be brought. He works things out so, they need, so that they can be worked out. And even John and I talking about foundation builders, um, you know, over the last years, we had some, some people that sewed into foundation builders in the beginning, and we've been living off of that very carefully up until this point, because when you do the type of work we do, if you don't have a project, you don't attract funding. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody's going to give you $100,000 with the idea that, well, you know, if I had $100,000, I'll go see what I could do with it. <laughs> right, no, we want to know what you're doing. We want you to show that you're capable of handling the funding. And we want to see what's happening with what you're doing, and does that warrant the funding that you're asking for? So you have to prove yourself. And so we haven't had the opportunity to really prove ourselves at this point, because trying to get projects up and going have been difficult. So I said to John the other day, talking to him, we were just discussing where we're at. I said, John, you know, four years ago, we weren't ready for the Bahamas. We thought we were. We would have jumped at the chance. But really, logistically, thinking through what we do, how we do it, the, the various things, the things that have happened in the last four years as we continue to, to develop foundation builders, we weren't ready for the Bahamas. And the door is opening now, not because I think I'm ready, but I think God thinks we're ready. And so now it's time to take the next step. And then the funding will come in when the projects, you know, the, the funding is actually the easiest piece, but that's the piece we seem to, to fixate on. But the funding will come. You know, in, in case anybody, you haven't figured out, there is no shortage of money on the planet. I mean, have you seen the little rowboats the Russians have been tooling around the place on? You know, there's, the money is there. It gets you know, used inappropriately. There's a lot of things that, that people do with money, but the money is there. And God will unleash those, that money when it's necessary and when the timing is right. And he does that within the church. He does that within business. He does that within our lives and what he's doing with us. His providence is for us, yeah. and he will release it as we need it and as we can use it wisely. Because while God is extremely generous, um, he's not wasteful. Correct. And if I don't have the capacity, he's not going to give it to me because it'll destroy me. I mean, what, you know, 
I, maybe you guys are in a different spot, but if today somebody walked in and handed me a million bucks for foundation builders, I'm better equipped now to handle that, but even today, that would be a huge shift for me because I don't live in the world of million-dollar checks. People do, and more than that. And they're, they're used to it. They're accustomed to it. They know how to handle it. I have to learn how to handle it. I've never been in that environment. So as we start to be brought into that environment, he's going to bring in what we need as we mature enough to handle it, to use it wisely, to, to handle it appropriately, and not to be, um, not to be mesmerized by wealth. Because in the kingdom, God brings wealth, but it's for a purpose. It's not to just mesmerize me with all the trinkets that a million bucks can buy. But it's to develop in each of us the idea of, if I had that much money, what would I actually do with it? And that's a harder question than what, what you think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, and actually in the kingdom, that's the more difficult spot. It's how do we use money wisely? How do I actually accomplish things? One uh, with uh, early on, there's an organization that I'm a part of called Acton University, and it's it, it deals with. Um, it deals with projects like what we do, foundation builders. It deals with projects like that in the world. But one of the, the, one of the primary things that they drive home over and over again, and I can't remember the author, author, I think it's actually two authors of the book, but the book's title is When Helping Hurts. And it's about how missions in particular and other nonprofit type things, how many times we actually make matters worse, not better, because we show up with money because we think money is what fixes things. And money doesn't fix things. It takes people to fix things. It takes God working through people to fix things. Money is only the vehicle to get the people there to actually do what the people should be doing. And when we only throw money, it looks like what our government does. It doesn't fix things because it always bypasses the heart of the person and tries to just deal with the situation. And God's about dealing with the heart because if the heart changes, the situation will begin to change. So when, when, we're, when, we're, when we're looking at what God does in providence towards us and we're looking at what do we, how do I then take that and do something someplace else, I have to always be asking the question, what is the long term of this? Is this a long term good or am I only building people into another level of dependence and enslavement? no matter how noble the system is? Or am I liberating people and bringing them into a place where they in themselves can begin to know who they are in Christ first and who they are on the planet second and start to live accordingly in a way that's that now I've been liberated, so in the same way I've been liberated, I can now liberate others. You know, and that, when I look at Simeon, that's, and he's talking about the coming of the Messiah, that's, that's what he's saying. 
I'm, I'm beholding the Christ, but the Christ has come. The liberator has come. Now people can be set free. Now the light has come. Now darkness is going to be driven out. And it's not just for the Jew, it's for the Gentile too. Now the one new man is being created. Now the, the gospel that, the, that all of creation has been waiting and longing for since the fall is now here. And for each of us, that's what we now live in. And each of us have been given spheres of influence. And with that sphere of influence, there's levels of provision that run with that sphere. There's, there's places of influence. Um, you know, when we got our NGO status with the, in, in Kenya, the thing that just blew me away with that is now we have foundation builders one of us from the board, on an annual basis, we have a seat in the Kenyan government talking about how, how does the government help its people to develop and become what they're supposed to be. I mean, we gain, we just by, well, I want to say just by, like that was an easy lift, but by getting that our NGO status, we now have a seat at the table with the Kenyan government to speak on behalf of those people that we're helping and what we think is, is the way things should go. Um, which again, that just, that just blows me away because I get up every morning, I live in Argo's Corner. My accent is Sussex County. <laughs> You know, and like, God, I never in, in my wildest dreams, if you had told me that we would have a seat at a table yeah. with a government in Africa, that we actually not only are invited to come to the table, but we're ex expected to bring something to the table and make it available to the other NGOs and to the Kenyan government. I mean, you, you, you can't make this stuff up. It's like... All I was doing was going to temple. <laughs> and I ran into a baby. And the baby changed everything. But it's where we all are. It's what this coming year looks like. I, I'm, I'm not, I've never been one uh, person that, like, at the beginning of a year, you get, you get all fired up, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It, to me, Yesterday and today feel the same. I, don't, I, I didn't notice any big shift when I woke up this morning. I doubt that I will tomorrow either. But what I do know is God does use uh, markers along the way to help us see, to help us move forward. And it is good to take places where, there's, where we reflect, where we think, okay, what is going to happen? And I don't have any great prophetic declaration about 2023, I'm hoping most people learn not to do that after 2020. Because I don't think any of the little analogies and stuff that we came up with hit the mark. Just maybe just me. But, so I'm not going to try to make 2023 fit into some rhyme or something. But what I do know, as, we, as Bev led us today, the spirit of the Lord is upon us. Because he's anointed us to bring good news and to set the captives free. He's anointed us for that. 2023 is about that. Not that 2022 wasn't, 
or not that it will all be done by 2024. But in today, in what we've been given today, let us just grow with all that we can and with joy do what he's given us to do, whether it's just carrying somebody to the grocery store or it's talking to the Kenyan government. It's, it's not one's better than the other. It's all just kingdom. It's all just kingdom. So just, just do it. Be glad. Be satisfied. Be filled with joy. And when, uh, when the flag starts waving, the service is over. So, and that is it. Just, you know, as we, as we go run into this year, let's, let's do it. And, uh, and, and we welcome the new that are coming in. Uh, we welcome all that God is doing. And, uh, and we're going to welcome you in, when we do the, new, the membership class in just a few minutes back in the cafe. But let's stand. Lord, in this year, in 2023, let us boldly come into the temple in anticipation. Let us start the day in the spirit. Let us be people that more and more we find ourselves in the spirit. I'm in the spirit when I'm doing the various things I do throughout the day because I know that you are in me, that you're moving through me, that you are for me, that I've been positioned in you, that the resources of heaven flow to me and flow out of me that Holy Spirit has come to anoint me to, to do all that you've called us to do. That for each of us, Lord, it's not, uh, there, there isn't favorites. It's just the, those to those that say yes, it comes. So let us be the people of yes. That within our heart, there is just a continual amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Whatever the situation, amen. Your, your glory is coming. Your power is being manifest. Amen. Amen. So be it. Yes, so be it. Lord, for us as people that we, as this church, with what's already unfolded in the last couple years between what's happening at the hospital, what's happening at the food bank, and now what's unfolding with the, working with the other churches in Milford, Lord, that in each of these places, we just say more, 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 more. We thank you for, for the people, for the lives that are being touched already, and we want more lives touched, more, more. So amen. Amen to what you're going to do with us in 2023. Amen to your plans, your purposes, your designs. Amen to your providence. And Jesus, always for your glory. Amen. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. And as I'm thinking about it, no, stay right there. I want you facing it forward. Huh? I'm going to read this over you. Oh, okay. Through you and over you. <laughs> but really, it's, I was back there and I, I got this download 
as we were sitting there as he was speaking, which happens a lot to me because I do parallel things in my head. And it just sometimes happens. So, But it's not just for Robert. It is for Robert, and it is for this trip, but it's for every man and woman in here because we are the church. We are his kingdom on the earth. We are the carriers, the, bear the bearers of good news, okay? So with that in mind, just listen and receive because it's the truth. <laughs> this goes, the opening line goes back to something I heard before about a pastor walked into the room and he was a little bit overwhelmed and he felt like he was under-equipped and not eloquent enough and because he was from Argos Corner, he didn't think he had what he needed to say to the group. And they said, well, you are the man of God, aren't you? And you are. <laughs> so the opening line is, you are the man of God. You are the bearer of the provider because you do carry what he carries. You're the, the deliverer on the scene because you're, de you're delivering his word, the good news. You are the bearer of good news. You are the bearer of restoration. You are the bearer of healing. You are the bearer of heaven on earth. You are holy, set apart, and present for such a time as this to bring forth prosperity to nations. In giving glory to God, you will be glorified, and his glory will be magnified and evident to the nations. Because of what you carry in your heart, nations will be blessed. Because of your heart, Father's heart, birthing and blessing cannot help but come forth from you. For the Lord our God is with you, and he goes before you. Amen. That's for each and every one. Carry that. Remember that. Own it. It's who we are. One of our biggest downfalls is not believing who we are and what we carry. Because when we do that, we take away from the glory of God. We have to believe it. So amen and amen. Be blessed. Amen.